You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Welcome to the new episode of Yoshiden. I'm back in Los Angeles at the Rec Hall's place. It's, uh, it's great to be back. I just got out of medical lab after 19 days. And I am here with Anthony Bench. Hello. Anthony, thanks for doing this. You, you, were, uh, you helped me so much today. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about your love affair with comic book. Uh, yeah, it, it's certainly a crazy, crazy love affair. I mean, I learned how to read by reading comic books. It's It's... Definitely a part of my life. Did 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 it run in your family or? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, basically, when I was growing up, my mom had me uh, had a babysitter for me uh, most Fridays, and her kids were really into Star Wars and comic books and everything like that. And I remember not being able to read. I was probably like four or five, probably about five. And just staring at the books that, you know, his name was Boone, Boone Tucker. Um, staring at the books that Boone had and wishing I knew what was going on. I would ask him a billion questions and I would realize he was kind of getting annoyed with me. So I wanted to learn how to read. Wait, who was getting annoyed? Uh, Boone, oh, okay. her, uh, the babysitter's son. And, um, you know, because he was a few years older than me and he could already read and he was kind of the kid I, I idolized. Like, I loved star wars because he loved star wars i kind of saw him as big brother um but yeah i wanted to know what spider-man was doing i wanted to know what words were coming out of spider-man's mouth so com- comic was like a positive thing in your life i mean learning, oh, yeah. learning to read is good um you know before i continue i i, I want to give a little background here, uh, anthony so um i met you through our mutual friend chris gore yep. about what two years ago uh, was it two years ago? It doesn't feel that long, but it, yeah, yeah, it had to have been. This got to be one in, uh, was it WonderCon in Anaheim, California? No, no, it was before that. Um, I was working with Chris Gore on Podcrash as an intern. I remember now, I mm-hmm. went to his place. Yep, it was I, the first time you actually met him, mm-hmm. was the first time you actually met me. Chris Gore, uh, for those of you overseas, if you don't know, he is a great uh, uh, host, and he used to have a show called Attack of the Show on G4 with uh, world-famous Olivia Munn. I, I miss that show. Uh, not necessarily Olivia Munn. I don't miss her very much, but... Um, I don't know a whole lot about her. I just know she's very attractive. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's hot. And chris heard me on dvd asa he contacted me and we became fast friends but chris is you know he's a few a couple years older than me but he knows a lot about pop culture and um he's been a really good mentor teaching me about you know that world i mean i knew them at a superficial level but i never really gone in deep mm-hmm. like you guys so it, it's a really good thing for me because the more i hang out with you i pick up a lot for someone who don't know so little about it you know yeah i mean you know one of the things that uh really attracted me to g4 um rest in peace it's not here with us anymore i, I think it's 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 uh they named that channel some different name. esquire yeah esquire, it was yeah. going to be esquire but then they're doing something else with esquire so g4 is still currently running it's all reruns 
Um, they used to have like a video game show. Yeah, yeah, X Play uh, mm-hmm. with Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb, and I, you know, that was like the channel that really attracted me because they did talk about comic books. They reviewed comic books. They, you know, had comic book creators on it. You know, they had video game creators on X Play. You know, uh, Chris was on Attack of the Show. That's how I first. Uh, learned about who he was. Also, I went to film school with somebody who worked for uh, Film Threat, which is the company that, uh, well, it was at first a, a fanzine, mm-hmm. I think. Well, it, basically a magazine um, that Chris Gore put together um, because Chris Gore is a film fanatic. Um, and I would watch G4 and I would watch Chris review movies. And a lot of times, uh, I, I, I completely agreed with him i mean you know he would do the rent passerby and if he said buy like i would go out and literally buy what he told chris me chris gore is a very savvy guy he, yeah he knows a lot about it and i i um it's almost like he's teaching me a good taste but you know what world. that motherfucker did not like the amazing spider-man too so fuck him yeah <laughs> <laughs> nah, i love you chris so i i think i'm releasing this on june what is it, June 2nd, 2014, Monday, I think. And, uh, and w- within four days, uh, June 5th, June 6th, I'll be in Phoenix Comic Con with Chris Gore. We're doing a panel and Lucky. A, a comedy show. So uh, if you happen to be listening to this and happen to live in Phoenix, come over to uh, F- Phoenix Comic Con 2014. Yeah, totally not blowing smoke up your ass. But, um, you know, I, I say this with... with uh, Shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, I'm an English major and I forget words all the time. Um, I, I, I'm being absolutely sincere when I say this. Like, you are always a pleasure to see on those shows, on those panels with Chris. Like, well, I'm, I'm very short, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know when to leave. Timing's everything, so. Yeah. But you're the guest today. Well, and thank you. Um, um, and please, please donate to the show, yoshiden.com. But, um, so, a- Anthony, let's... There's like a four big things I, I would like to talk, and we're we're kind of pressed for time. So let's talk. You were lucky enough. Well, I think you were lucky enough to work with the world famous Kevin Smith. Absolutely, uh, I was I, lucky enough. How 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 do you describe Kevin Smith for someone who doesn't know him? He's not only is a director, but he does a shitload of other stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell a quick story about how I uh, I first came in to uh, contact with Kevin Smith's work. Um, I was about 13 or 14, probably 14 years old, and I was just obsessed with Star Wars, obsessed with comic books, obsessed with like all these nerdy things. And I lived in a small town in uh, in Nevada called Gardnerville, and I was getting a lot Never of pressure. Heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. It's uh, it's kind of close to Tahoe, kind of mm-hmm. close to Reno, um, but it was awful in the sense that if you didn't skateboard or play sports. You didn't fit in with anybody. Oh, it's one of those places. Yeah, and um, you know, I was getting a lot of pressure. Like a lot of people were, you know, basically saying that I need to grow up because I liked the, all these things. My room was covered in posters of Star yeah. Wars, and and um, you know, I was dating a girl that you know was always bugged that I was so obsessed with Star Wars, and um, you know, I was coming to a point in my life where I'm like, maybe these people are right. Like maybe you know. Maybe I do need to grow up. Maybe I do need to take down the Star Wars posters. Is, is this about 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, no, a little longer than that. Um, I'm, I'm horrible at math. 
Um, let's see, I'm 28 now, and uh, let's let, let's just go with about 13 years ago. Isn't it weird how everything is backward now? Like now, everything Star Wars anime is so hip. Yeah, yeah, I, it was definitely, and I was like on the cusp of that. Yeah, you know, um, I I was still like I'm at the right age where I remember both sides, where it wasn't cool to like these things. And now it is cool to like these things. But, um, you know, I, I got to the well, point... Well, it's cool because it makes money, too. That's true, yeah. I, I got uh-huh. to the point where, I, you know, I almost wanted to take down all the posters. And I almost wanted to, you know, start learning about sports and kind of, you know, deny my, my past as a geek or a nerd yeah. or whatever. And I went to the video store with my stepbrother. And my stepbrother... I love this story. My stepbrother... Uh, was looking at renting this movie. I wanted to rent Blade Runner. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Amazing movie. Yeah, great movie. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and my stepbrother wanted to rent this movie called Mallrats. And I was like, uh. why the fuck would I want to watch a movie about a bunch of people who hang out at malls? So I'm looking on the back and my stepbrother... Uh, to be frank, you pick one or other, it's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, you know... Blade Runner, I, I love Blade Runner, but Blade Runner did not change my life like Mallrats did. Um, my stepbrother's looking at it, and I'm just like, this movie looks dumb. And my stepbrother's like, yeah, but look. So he turns, it, turns the cover over. It's an old VHS. And on the old Mallrats VHS, there's Kevin Smith uh, as um, Silent Bob and Jason Mewes as Jay. And there's a picture of them, and Jay's holding open a penthouse. And it's just a brief joke in the movie. But anyways, my stepbrother looks at me and he, dead serious because this is the days before, you know, internet porn running rampant and wicked, yeah. you know. He, he looks at me, he goes, do you realize that's a penthouse? This movie probably has nudity in it. So, I mean, that's like the, the depths like we went to in order to see tits like back in the day. Like we would rent movies that we tits had no one. so easy these days. Yeah, yeah. Fuck they, them. They'll find tits even when they're not even looking for it. Exactly. Like it. <sighs> you put whitehouse.com, it's probably like porn. It's supposed to be whitehouse.gov, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, fucking lucky bastards. But anyways, uh, threw it in and the opening starts with like this weird, like funny little monologue with one of the characters. And then it goes right into this like musical like credit montage where it's just comic books, all the characters from the movies as comic book characters. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. This is pretty, pretty decent. And then I see it, and it's like, and featuring Stan Lee, and, uh, you know, every comic book nerd worth their weight in salt knows who Stan Lee is. So I was like, I might actually enjoy this movie. You know, my stepbrother convinced me to put Blade Runner back and put in Mallrats, and he might be a genius. And I watched it, and I'm seeing these, you know, early to mid-20-year-olds, you know, 20-year-old characters talking about Star Wars, talking about Wolverine, referencing the X-Men, referencing sure. Batman. And I'm like, I could be this. I don't have to be ashamed of what I like. And, you know, I thought that that was just a one-off movie, and I was like, man, I'd love to see these characters in other movies. Well, if I was telling a friend at school, and he's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Smith has, like, three other movies and i was just like really i remember writing them down going to the video store looking for them and i i mean after watching clerks and and chasing amy and i love chasing amy. Do- oh chasing amy is one of my top favorite movies of all time um 
But after, is, I mean, that's the one I saw first, and mm -hmm. like, it blew me away. I, I just like, nothing really happened, but it's there's a lot of stuff happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's just a grocery store, basically. Mm -hmm. I and, love that, and especially if you had a job like that, where oh, sure, you know, I sure did. I love the way they interact with the customers. Yeah. Because customers can be assholes, assholes, you know? Like, I just don't, I never understood how people could be so cruel to somebody they don't know. Just because, you know, they, their time is being wasted, you know, for some reason. It's just, that's a whole other podcast working in retail. But, um, anyways, it, I, I really looked up to Kevin Smith and I watched all his movies. And Do you still like the movie? Looking at it as a, you know, 28 year old guy now. I do. Um, I, I I really do. Um, I, I think that you know. I, I edited a lot of uh, Kevin Smith's podcast. Basically, he went from uh, having all of his stuff free to having his stuff free, but with ads. So I was the guy that actually like went into the podcast, took out um, or cut the podcast into like three different pieces mm -hmm. and inserted ads into his podcast. Um, so I would hear Kevin Smith's voice for, you know, hours upon hours upon hours. And it gets to the point where, like, you know, just if you hear somebody talk for so long and that motherfucker likes to talk oh. a lot, uh, you know, it's hard to go back and watch those movies and just hear his voice just because, I you know, nothing against Kevin. I love Kevin. Uh, he was very nice to me. I didn't have a lot of interaction with him when I worked at Smodco. Um, but, you know, it's just the voice. I mean, I know he's very knowledgeable, but how knowledgeable is he? God, that... Uh, <laughs> if the Einstein's guy who knows everything about ph uh, physics, mm -hmm. how close are we talking here? Like, like a 90 percentile, or is he 95, or 100 percent Einstein? Like, you know, I, I think that... It, I wouldn't say Einstein level. Um... But would you say like a 90 percentile area? Yeah, yeah, definitely, or at least high 80s. I mean, that guy knows his stuff, and he writes comic books. I don't know if you know this or I not. I didn't know but that. He, uh, yeah, he wrote for Batman. He wrote for, uh, for Green Hornet. He wrote Green Arrow. Um, so he, he, he writes comic books. He's a director. Daredevil. He does podcasts. Uh, he does a lot. I mean, it's basically... He doesn't sleep. He, I, I, I don't understand how he can function so much. He likes to attribute it to weed. Um, but you know, he's the only person I know that's actually more productive when they smoke weed, mm -hmm. but you know, whatever works. Um, I, I think, I think it's hilarious cause I've seen him at the San Diego comic con that oh, yeah. uh, the world famous whole H where <laughs> all the movie star and TV stars to show up and present their previews of their project. Yeah. And Kevin's always been one of those, you know, it's almost like UN you have a speaker for the United Nations thing. He's he's like the main speaker for that year, and he'll be speaking in in front of the you know comic book and anime and TV fans, movie fans from the what seven eight thousand people in that room. Uh, and, I think it holds like sixty five hundred people, yeah. and they go nuts. They yeah. just love Kevin, and he could be quite sweet or he could be incredibly crude. Yeah, yeah, I remember Hilarious. the. I think it was the maybe. Sec no, it was the first year I went to Comic-Con back in 2007, and he was uh, showing uh, footage, or maybe it, it was 2008. Uh, anyways, he was showing footage of uh, Zach and Mary, and this guy walks up, and he goes... Uh, Zach and Mary make porn or something? Yeah, like that, Zach yeah. and Mary make a porno, and he walks up, and he's like, so uh, 
went no it was 2007 it was 2007 he didn't show footage uh he was talking about making the movie mm-hmm. and uh, a guy walks up and he's like so uh when are you going to um make a movie with uh you know out without some of the characters you've already focused on from other movies that doesn't suck i was there mm-hmm. and there's a split like just a beat Kevin Smith's like, wait, wait. Everybody starts booing this motherfucker, and Kevin Smith goes, wait, wait, wait. This guy has a point. This guy has a point. You know, let's, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Um, I'm working on, you know, Zach and Mary make a porno, which doesn't have any of, you know, the characters, doesn't have Jay and Silent Bob. You know, after that, I'm working on a horror movie called Red State, and I will get around to it right after I take my cock out of your mother's ass. Yeah. And the place erupts, and Kevin Smith goes on about this guy. This, yeah. like, fat nerd just trolling kevin smith trying to look like a badass in front of his friends yeah kevin smith's like you know like you need to fucking wear layers because i could see your man tits from here just completely like cracks this guy kevin smith is a sharp fast motherfucker yeah yeah he doesn't mind you you talking shit to him because he will talk shit back to you yeah i mean that's it you know that's another thing that appealed to me i I was you know uh I, i still am but i was overweight at the time and you know i was very sensitive about my weight and Kevin Smith would always make jokes about his weight. And I, I kind of like took that. And Kevin Smith's whole approach to that is I'm going to steal the thunder. Like before anybody can call me fat, I'm going to call my fat, myself fat. Mm-hmm. That way when somebody's like, well, you're fat, he can be like, well, yeah, everybody knows. I already fucking said it. And, you know, I, I definitely use that approach in my life. Yeah, he, I, I, he's terrific. I mean, I just love talking, uh, listen to him talk. And I never listened to it, but he has one goal. Something like Fat Man for Batman or something like that? Yeah, yeah, Fat Man on Batman. Uh, yeah. That show, I believe, debuted. Uh, I worked for Kevin Smith, um, Smodco. Uh, I worked for them from May of 2011 mm-hmm. uh, to probably January of 2012. And I think that show debuted uh, a little bit after I, I left, after I wasn't working for him anymore. So I didn't have much to do with that show. But, I mean, I, I love it. He, uh, Batman's his favorite character. It's, it's amazing somebody could talk hours at a time about it. You know? Oh, yeah. I think he even had Jim Lee on the show. Yeah, yeah, Jim Lee. For those of you who don't know, he's like the dig artist for DC Comics cover. Legendary. Legendary. Yeah. In fact, whenever they make a new Batman movie, they consult him if, if the, the design of the outfit looks uh, good to him, you know? And mm-hmm. I actually had dinner with him the same year they were releasing the second Batman movie. It was me... Uh, David Cho, his younger brother, we were having dinner at New York, and this is like maybe a couple weeks before. Um, hey, Rick, sorry, hold on. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, I think we were talking about Jim Lee. I, d- I didn't know the guy. He was very, uh, very nice. I could tell he was very smart and ambitious and worked really hard. And Dave Cho had a lot of respect for him. And, well, they had a mutual respect for each other. I, d- I didn't know who he really was. I-, mm-hmm. I just knew he was a big deal in DC comic. Yeah, and. Um, I think, I think that night he was going to see a premiere of the uh, second Batman movie, and I finally saw the movie like two weeks later, and I was blown away. That 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 is my favorite comic book movie of all time so far. You know, I haven't caught up with the uh, last month and a half, 2014. Yeah, and it's May. been a really big month with X Men, Days of Future Past, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Mm. Uh, you know, Captain America came out. Uh, Captain America 2 came out earlier this year. Yeah. 
And so, um, you, you got to get on it, Yoshi. Come on. I, I really need to do it because I'm going to Phoenix Comic Con and, I, you know, I need to catch up. I've, I've just, uh, Rick, you know, I'm staying at Rick's place. Uh, Rick just got back and I'm all about Game of Thrones right now. So, uh, you, you know, I am. Um, uh, God damn, that show is unbelievable. I, I, I love it. But um, uh, we'll talk more about that later. But so, um, yeah, I, I Batman thing, you know, it's, I was pretty amazed that, that somebody could talk about all Batman, you know, 24-7. And the guests he brings on, he has, you know, people like Paul Dini and, and Bruce Tim And, you know, I, I ran into a friend of mine who uh, still works for Smodco. And he was telling me about, like, a panel with, um, who was it? I think it was uh, Kevin, oh, God, what's his name? Um, it was Kevin Smith and um, Bruce Tim, the producer of the Batman animated series, and Kevin Conroy, the voice of the Batman mm-hmm. uh, from the Batman animated series from the 90s. And um, I, I would have killed to see that panel. Like, that would have been really, really exciting. Unfortunately, I didn't because I was... Uh, I, I wasn't working for Kevin Smith anymore. <laughs> I every time I go to this convention, and I don't remember this guy's name, but he, he was friend of Chris Gore. He knew everything about Superman. I mean, everything. And every time he would give awards to, like, when he throw a really tough question about Superman in the, in the panel, and if the audience get it, he'll give prizes. Mm-hmm. But it's such an like obscure. You know, and like I was just like I didn't even know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. They must well be speaking Sanskrit or Swahili or something. You know. Well, that's the thing about comic books that you know, you, especially with a character like Superman, you have you know seventy five years worth of history. You have seven, you know, seventy five years of different iterations of the character. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, for somebody to know everything about Superman, excuse me, that's uh. That that that's really improbable, you know. I, I think people kind of have knowledge of their like the different eras. Like sure. me, the Superman I grew up with was you know post Superman uh, dying in the nineties. I think I was like ninety two or whatever. Um, you know, so I know all about how Superman you know split up into two energy based Supermen, where one was Superman blue and one was Superman red. I remember the mullet. I remember, you know, the the ride that they opened up at Magic Mountain. Like, yeah. I, that's the Superman, like, I'm most knowledgeable about. Um, well, what, I, go ahead. I, I don't know much about, you know, Superman in the 60s. I don't know what was going on with the storylines, you know. I don't know much about Superman in the 40s. or. And I can't give you a good example, but I, I noticed, and I think Rick, you know, he's too busy eating now, but, like, even comic book changed with time. Like, 60 was such a politically charged time. Mm-hmm. So there was a yeah. lot more political uh, uh, message, in, in, you know. And, and then maybe 70s, it was all put backlash against politics, cynicism, and, and, and almost paranoia that governments are after you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And 80 was excess of um, Wall Street. And, you know, so, mm-hmm. like you were telling me, didn't, didn't you tell me, like, Batman used to you, you have gun? And I didn't, I didn't even know Batman used to have ba- guns. Yeah, Batman originally had, had a gun. And, uh, you know... I, there's a uh, a comic book issue where he hangs somebody from the Batcopter, like the blade of the Batcopter. I don't know if Batman was a Southerner. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, uh, 
Gotham is actually in Alabama. It's it's Gotham, <laughs> Alabama. You drag you drag them behind a super truck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy with no hair and look like a skinhead. Anyway. <laughs> So, um, why why do you why do you think it's Kevin Smith's favorite co- uh, character? I mean, I love Batman too. I you know I honestly don't know. I, I'm not one of those people that obsess about Batman. Mm. I think Superman. I, I like Superman better. Um, writing a lot of people criticize writing for Superman. It's like what can hurt Superman? What can stop him? The Interesting aspects of Superman I get is the fact that he's an alien. He's above us. He can fly. He can do all these things, but he's trying so hard to be human. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that aspect of the Superman character. With Batman, I feel that a lot of people are lazy writing him because mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, Batman has this gadget to save the day. Oh, Batman knew about this because he's the world's greatest detective. I mean... Batman is like the king of deus ex machina for me. Like He just always has the right gadget, or he always has the right observation that saves the day. And, you know, people always say, oh, well, if Batman had, you know, planning, he could take down Superman. He could take down anybody if he had the right amount of planning. And I think that's boring. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just something that a lot of writers fall back on. But isn't it interesting that Batman translated so much better on film? Or, or, or do you think we didn't give a, a competent writers and director for Superman? I, you know, I think that goes back to what I said about there being so many iterations of Superman. It's like, which one are you going to put on screen? I, mm-hmm. I think they tried something different with Man of Steel where they tried to update the character, make him darker, make him, you know, um, less of a Boy Scout. And a lot of people lashed back on that. I, I think that Man of Steel... I'm I'm a Man of Steel apologist, really. I mean, to be honest, I I liked that movie. I mean, I liked the last one, but I I was taken back that the, some of the criticism was some people who are anti-religious uh, religion didn't like like Superman as Christ-like figure. Even when he fell yeah. into the water, he did the whole mm-hmm. cross, you know. Yeah, and that that's always been there. I mean, if you look hard enough, I mean, you know, Krypton explodes, and you know. Kal-El's parents send him in a rocket ship to Earth. I mean, that's the same thing as, you know, Moses' parents sending him in the river on a, uh, down the river in a basket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus... Or God, or God sending Jesus to planet Earth. Exactly, yeah. to, to save us and, and everything like that. I mean, the religious aspect of Superman has always been there. And I enjoyed that. It was the the religious aspect kind of beaten over our head in Man of Steel, yes. It definitely was. There was a scene where it's like, you know, Henry Cavill as, as Clark Kent sitting in a church and there's like uh, like glass, like stained glass, like visage of, of Jesus Christ in the background. It's like, okay, we, we get it. We, we mm-hmm. get it. Um, he looked apart for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I, I think he was a, a great Superman. Uh, I, they didn't really delve into the Clark Kent character. Not yet. Not right. yet, but uh, you know they, they will. And I'm really interested in seeing where they're going to go with it. You know, when you were talking about Stanley, it's like a, a great in comic book. But mm-hmm. whereas, you know, I, I guess you, he, I don't know why, I, I just don't know how, but I know you're supposed to separate Dis- Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. You know, they're, I guess they're different, even though they're 
illustration. Yeah. yeah. And um, um, as great as Stan Lee was, it, it just seemed like, I have to admit, Superman seemed like a, one of the biggest iconic character. Like, I, I, I think most people know that over, you know, even Spider-Man, I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly, you know, I, I highly agree with that. I think Superman appeals to everybody. Um, you know, his, his outfit is red, white, and yellow, not red, white, and blue. So I think a lot of people, you know, that are frightened off with, you know, a lot of the patriotism that happens in comic books aren't necessarily frightened away. I mean, there are still, Amer- you know, truth, justice in the American way. Like, that's still a part of Superman. But I, I think his mass appeal is a lot bigger than a lot of uh, other comic book characters. So we, we just talk about, uh, you know, Batman and Superman, which is part of DC mm-hmm. Comics, which I didn't even know stands for Detective Comics, right? Yep. And um, and they're moving to Burbank, California from New York. I didn't know until today. Yeah, there's, it, there's controversy behind that. And I know that the practical reason is uh, there is more money and future in movie business, yeah. so they want these comic book near Hollywood. Yeah, I, I think you know I'll Warner Brothers. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I think Warner Brothers. <clears throat> sorry, I think Warner Brothers um, definitely wants to keep closer tabs on what's happening in the comics to sure. promote their movies. Um, you know it it pissed off a lot of people working for DC. As a matter of fact, there's a big like mass exodus happening where a lot of writers that have been at DC and a lot of artists who have been at DC for yeah. years are leaving to work for other companies because of this happened. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's weird how, you know, the focus is so much on the movies nowadays because the movies are making bank, and people aren't buying comic books despite the movies succeeding. Well, it has a, a, a bigger reach because people who don't read comic books will watch that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, this is capitalistic society, so I, I understand. But I, I was a little surprised though because when you think of Batman, uh, Batman, you think Gotham, you know. Yeah. In fact, it's moving from New York to L.A. Gotham, uh, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. It's called. <laughs> You know, I I know very little, but I I did enjoy watching Watchmen, but that was not originally a DC comic. Uh, Watchmen was, I believe, Vertigo, and I could be wrong about this, but um, DC started Vertigo um, as kind of like an adult, like something that catered more towards adults. Yeah. So you had, on Vertigo, you had Hellblazer, um, you know, the John Constantine, Mm -hmm. Constantine character. Um, you had Swamp Thing, um, and you had Watchmen, and it, it catered more towards the adult comic book reader, which really kind of surged in the 80s. I got to say, when I start hearing about Watchmen, because they're ready to release that movie, I don't know how many years it's been, but I was blown away like how dark and serious it was. You know, it has it's obviously based on alternate history of USA, and yeah. my favorite character was was it comedian yeah the comedian yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he was a really interesting character and uh, you know people regard the watchman you not know, even comic book it was just like a legitimate real novel yeah yeah it's on uh like times best-selling like or greatest stories ever one of those things because i mean it's not really a comic book 
Like you have one character with a superpower, one character, and the rest are just normal people dressing up to fight crime. And, and, and it was one of the first time I saw legitimate comic book company with a comic book where a character got raped. Yeah. You know, and like, that kind of shit happened in Japan, let's be honest. Those rape men and things <laughs> like that. But I, I was surprised that happened here. And it, it was not, uh, uh, like, it, it, they had to do it for, for, uh, for the for sake of story. And it, it wasn't like, uh, um, Excessive, you know. It, it was yeah. like it was a really interesting. They were they, they were talking about a really interesting narrative, you know. Uh, well, well, the writer of of Watchmen is Alan Moore, and Alan Moore is kind of known for bringing in that dark shit, like really kind of bringing in like you know, rape violence into comic books and giving more adult tone. I believe, uh, you know, personally, I believe him and Frank Miller and Dennis O'Neill were like the three people that really like brought. Batman in the superhero genre out of the campy 60s and into some dark territory shit. But well, so I, 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 and I can't say enough, like second Batman movie, I, yeah. I, I have to say, it's, it's, it's an amazing story. Well, I mean, The Dark Knight was heavily influenced by, you know, the, the caricature of the Joker was heavily influenced by um, Alan Moore's The Killing Joke. That's the book that Heath Ledger was reading when he was studying for the, you know, the, right? role of the Joker. Yeah, and in that book, Joker busts in, shoots Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl at the time, shoots her, paralyzes her, like severs her spine with a bullet. Oh, so this is comedy. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> rapes her, or at least it, it's it's implied that he rapes her. He kidnaps her father, you know, Jim Gordon. And puts him like ties him to a roller coaster, and puts him on this like hellish ride. And there's images of his his daughters like broken body, like just lying in a pool of blood, naked, and and you know like the applied implied rape, flashing on screen as he's going through. And his whole point is that he wants to prove that everybody has a breaking point. He wants to prove that you know if somebody has wait wait what what was the name of this particular comic? The book? Killing Joke. Huh. Yeah, Batman: The Killing Joke. If somebody has one particular day that they will snap, they will become the Joker. I see. And it, it's, a, one of, it's one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. Um, you know, it, it's incredible. It really analyzes the relationship between Batman and the Joker. And the whole point of the killing joke is, you know, Joker tells a story at the end. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's like a famous joke. You being a comedian, you could probably uh, answer this for me. But... The Joker tells Batman this joke. He says there's a prisoner that there's two prisoners trying to break out of jail. One crosses this beam and he has a flashlight. And he turns around and he says, Cross the beam to the other prisoner. You know, and the prisoner says, No, I can't do it. And uh, the one with the flashlight says, I'll, I'll shine, you know, it's okay. I'll shine the light. You can follow the path. And, you know, you, I'll, I'll lead you out of it. And the other uh, prisoner says, "What? Ha- no, you might, you know, basically turn off the light when I'm in the middle. And that's, like, basically Batman's relationship with Joker to a T. Batman wants to help the Joker. Batman, you know, wants to help the Joker, but the Joker is afraid to make that commitment. The Joker is afraid to cross that beam. Yeah. 
because he's afraid that, you know, Batman's basically going to drop him in the middle of it and Joker's not going to be able to find his way. And it's also, I mean, it really looks at how Batman is basically like the Joker. But, I mean, make no they mistake. They kind of need each other, you know? Yeah, make no mistake about it. Batman's fucking crazy. Like, a person that dresses up as a bat and fights crime has serious issues. Now... <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so... You well, I'm a rape man, so that's a little different, right? <laughs> you you have the Joker who, you know, is crazy as well. But instead of doing productive things for society, instead of trying to help people, instead of trying to reduce crime, he is destructive. But you know what's so uh, amazed by the Dark Knight? It's because he's crazy because he really believes in things like he does. That's the thing. Remember, like. There's a scene where they're offering all this money. He didn't give a shit about the money. He just burned yeah. all the money. He just he wants wanted, to watch the world burn. He wanted to burn, and he doesn't give a shit about anything. Mm-hmm. And people are willing to make compromise. But it's 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 funny that the biggest Joker happened to be a guy who really believed in these things. It's not good for the world. No, no. But he he believed it to the bitter end. And like, I maybe I'm crazy to say that, but even when I meet someone that I don't agree, when they really believe in it, and they don't um, they don't make compromise when it's convenient for them, mm-hmm. I kind of kind of have a grudging respect for people like that, you know. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Joker in that movie, I mean, Heath Ledger was unbelievable. Yeah, he he was incredible, and I would have loved to see him go on to make more. Batman movies in that role. Because I just wonder, like, what happened if he would have lived? I I bet he would have been in the third one. From what I hear, um, you've seen the third one, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know how the Scarecrow shows up and he's the judge in that one court scene? Uh, From what I hear, that was supposed to be Heath Ledger as the Joker. Damn. Yeah, and that would have been just a small cameo, but, you know, it would have been great to see what that character is. I saw him once years ago in Tacoma, Mm -hmm. Washington, downtown, I think. he was making 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Uh, and um, he was writing... I, I like that movie. I, I liked it too. And he, he was writing a skateboard. But um, when I heard he was going to play Joker, like, that guy, the goofball... I was furious. Yeah. I was fucking furious. Like, I was upset. I was just, you know, because a lot of people were saying, you know, it's going to be Paul Bettany who just did... Um, was that Da Vinci, the Da Vinci Code? Yeah, and he was creepy in that. And everybody wanted a creepy Joker. Everybody wanted, you know, a sinister, not a Jack Nicholson jokester. You sure. know, everybody wanted the creepy Joker. And um, you know, Paul Bettany. I was excited about Paul Bettany. A lot of people were saying maybe it was going to be Mark Hamill because Mark Hamill was the iconic voice in the uh, Batman animated series. I would have loved to see Mark Hamill do it. Um, even though that was a huge long shot, everybody knew it was a long shot, but that's who I was reading for. And when they said Heath Ledger, I was like, that pretty boy? Like, that guy that does, like, teen comedies and, like, you know, yeah. weird, romantic, like, medieval pieces? Like, but he was phenomenal, and I really, really, like, had egg on my face, so to speak, when when he knocked that role out of the park. I mean, Christopher Nolan, who produced and directed all the Batman movies, I don't question. I mean, if if you got a movie attached to him, I'll watch it. I mm-hmm. know he, I mean, when I heard Anne Hathaway playing uh, Catwoman in the third one, I thought, how, how the hell are you going to do that? She's, oh, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, yeah. I was she was that. She was fucking great. And uh, it just shows 
I, I don't know what I was talking about. So, yeah, I, I, I thought, what a phenomenal job. I'm excited for DC. And, you know, I'm biased. I live in California, so I like hearing stuff like that. They're moving mm. to Southern California. Yeah. We just recently lost Tonight Show uh, with Jay Leno and moved to New York with Jimmy Fallon. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm all about Southern California. So, um, Watchman, I enjoyed a lot. Do, do you have any uh, input on the Justice League? I hope it's good. <laughs> that, I what mean, is it out? Uh, it's scheduled to be out um, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 2018, actually. 2016 is when they just um, announced the title, but we've known that's going to be a Batman and Superman movie since last year at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, but it's Batman... Ben, ben Affleck plays Batman. Yeah, yeah. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. That's the full title. Um, and Gal Gadot, I, I hope I'm saying that name right, she's playing Wonder Woman... Um, they got a guy, I can't remember his name, but he's playing uh, Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rumors that you know there's going to be more characters from the Justice League coming in. Jesse Eisenberg from uh, the Facebook movie The Social Network sure. is going to be playing Lex Luthor. Uh, That's an interesting pick. Yeah. I'm I, sure he's going to be great. I, I was hoping, you know, because the rumor was... Brian Cranston was going to be Lex Luthor. Oh, and I yeah. wanted an older Lex Luthor, and Brian Cranston can act man he was incredible in breaking bad did you did you hear this funny rumor about what brian cranston said last couple of days about how there he was open to more uh breaking bad they said never say never so yeah. like wow i mean you know like what how would you like it's pretty like no you all oh, you saw he got shot and he closed his eyes mm-hmm. and 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 some of the people are saying like well it could be the ambulance showed up and took him in the hospital you just never but then know. what happens to him i mean he's literally a murderer he's you know a drug lord like what are they gonna do like brian like do you know what we Walter did with White those, in prison do you know what we did with those nazi doctors after world war ii we we give a exempt and uh they were used to the u.s government you never know the guy's that, a genius yeah that, that would be a cool idea or, i mean i'm just selfish i just love seeing that guy doing horrible stuff to people or you know what like let, let's think outside the box like you know walter white dies but they clone him or you know walter <laughs> white you know they freeze him until they find you know a cure for bullet wounds and bring him back into a post-apocalyptic future where you know he teams up with jesse's like great 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 granddaughter and they go on adventures how, I, I read comic books. <laughs> you know how you have uh, Jason versus Freddy or whatnot? Yeah. How great is it if you have Walter White versus um, the, uh, the guy from uh, Fargo, Billy Bob Thornton's character, Malvo? Uh, have you been awesome. watching it? God mm-hmm. damn, that show's been phenomenal. I don't know. Okay, we, we're getting off tangent, <laughs> but watch Fargo. I, I, I just love that show. It's great. Um, so yeah, I, I, I as far as last thing I want to say about DC Comics, like I, I hope they make finally make a good Wonder Woman TV or movie. I mean, I don't understand why it's been dragging for so long. You know, it, it's one of those weird things where nobody. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they they've had Wonder Woman movies in production forever, and they just never happened. Joss Whedon was attached to uh, write and direct a Wonder Woman movie back when uh, you know Buffy was still on the air. It fell it through. Yeah, yeah, it would have been great. He knows how to write female characters. Uh, you know, they had that Wonder Woman TV show that happened and with, uh, what is her name? Adrian Pelicki. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And it didn't go past the pilot because it was fucking horrible. I've seen it. There's bootleg copies out there. I was sad to hear that because she looks the part. Oh, she's beautiful. Beautiful. She does look the part, but mm-hmm. you have a character that's, you know, tough, like Amazon spirit. 
And in that show, they had her literally dancing to Beyonce and eating ice cream out of the tub. Like, <sighs> like that is not the character. Wonder Woman, you know, Superman uh, generally makes it a rule that he doesn't kill. Like, mm-hmm. he killed in Man of Steel and he's killed in other, you know, iterations or other, you know, uh, parts of his comic book history. But usually he doesn't kill. Right. Batman does not kill, period. Or at least, you know, he doesn't since... He doesn't? Not anymore. I mean, he used to shoot people. Right. But Wonder Woman is the, still the character to this day that kills. She kills. She has no qualms Well, we are killing. talking about women, are we? Ah. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I, I'm, 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 you know, the stereotype is that she has an invisible plane, lasso that make you say the truth, and on and on, and yeah. all these hot babes. And... Um, who played her in like that '70s show, Linda? Linda Carter. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was you know it was good, and but I it was I, a product I, of its time, but it was still good. It was still enjoyable. I I just think we, we we're due for a good one, and I also like that the last I don't know which movie it was. They finally got Hulk right. Yeah, uh, yeah. he was a part of an ensemble of all the other characters. Um, the Avengers. You know, I, yeah. I liked the Incredible Hulk with Ed, Ed Norton. Yeah. I, I really liked that movie. Um, as a matter of fact, I think aside from the Avengers, that's my favorite Marvel movie in the Marvel Studios uh, movies. A lot of people like the first Iron Man. You know, some people like Thor. I liked the Incredible Hulk. I know I'm in the minority, but I, I was really upset about Edward Norton not coming back to be the Hulk in the Avengers and Mark Ruffalo impressed me. He was, he great. was great. He was really I, I, good. I, I watched like, wow, they finally got that right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my, we might switch in, uh, jump into Marvel Comics because um, I, I think you're more, you're also said you're more knowledgeable about it. I right? grew up as a Marvel kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Marvel was easier to follow because DC had all these like alternate timelines sure. and like parallel universes and stuff. So I gravitated more towards Marvel. Yeah. My friend Yuka Kobayashi is like the right-hand woman for Stan Lee. So I've been to that office and, uh, you know, Stan Lee, even for someone who superficially followed Marvel Comics, I was yeah. more like a Thor and mm-hmm. Conan the Barbarian kind of guy. Yeah. But, um, well, hook it up, Yoshi. Like, introduce me to these people. Come on. You, know, you need to meet him. And, he, you know, it's it's like when you see him in comic book convention, like, he, he's similar to what Anna Wintour is to fashion where like when you walk people kind of move away mm-hmm. like you know Moses spreading the Red Sea yeah, yeah. and um, he seemed like a, a great guy and man he's not what is it 91 92 years old he still works and I I always get this wrong it's either 91 or 92 I, I know it's past 90 but I'm not sure if it's 91 or 92 yet um, but yeah yeah he's he's kicking ass for an old man so what is it about Stanley and Marvel Comics that you like so much um, they took real characters and made them fantastic. I think DC had just fantastic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Peter Parker who, you know, is a nerd, yeah. is socially awkward, and you give him superpowers and you see what happens. Right. You know, Superman never had an awkward phase. You know, and yeah, you know, Clark Kent was kind of nerdy and whatnot. Sure. Clark Kent still got the ladies. Right. Um, you know, you have somebody with anger issues that you know every time they get upset turns into a giant green monster i mean right. that's, people have anger issues you can't really relate to somebody who's a billionaire who get you know who had their parents murdered i, I think the marvel universe has more relatable characters and they touch on topics that are more just uh, important 
Yeah. You know, like with the X-Men, like they tackled racism and they taught, they tackled, you know, um, wasn't one of the character later one that we find out he was gay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, X Men had uh, a gay character named North Star. Huh. And in the uh, Ultimate Universe, uh, Colossus is gay. So I mean, they they were gay friendly, and you know, it, to me, like Marvel does it now too. But um, DC, every time one of their characters is is announced gay, or they're changing the the, um, you know race of a character or whatever like they make a big spectacle out of it sure and marvel you know back in the day didn't they just introduced a character oh by the way this character happens to be gay they didn't have any press releases and that's what i want because you know when you announce that they're going to bring in a gay character like i understand they want to sell books but it comes out as just disingenuine like you know it not really for gay readers sure but you know marvel's doing it now too like they announced big spectacle we have a gay character now um but yeah i think marvel took a more you know realistic approach to how they write the characters and they gave the characters real problems real relatable problems and it seems like marvel comics also did a better job translating their product into a big movie products now they have yeah. uh that necessarily wasn't that yeah definitely wasn't the case early on did um, they did that change with the the, the spider-man under toby what's his name toby uh, mcguire yeah you know, I think a lot of people don't give this movie enough credit, but I certainly do. Blade. Blade was a Marvel character. Blade with Wesley Snipes. Really? That That's was a Marvel? Marvel character, yes. yes. I didn't know that. Blade first appeared in the Tomb of Dracula comic book series. And um, that really opened the door. You know, people saw that movie come out in 1998 and said, okay, well, now we can bring in the X-Men movies. We can green light the X-Men movies. Wait, but was it commercially successful movie? Yeah. It was? Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, it wasn't like a huge blockbuster, but it made right. money. And they greenlit X-Men, and X-Men, I think, is the movie that takes a credit for kind of busting open the door because the superhero genre was basically dead after Batman uh, and uh, Batman and Robin. That Joel Schumacher movie with the bat nipples and Mr. Freeze is, you know, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze. George Clooney, yeah. Yeah, George Clooney. I mean, it was dead. Like, nobody wanted to make a, a comic book hero movie. Um, and then Blade came along, and a lot of people, that was kind of like the Trojan horse. Nobody, you know, you didn't even know that it was a mm-hmm. comic book character. And it made money. And then they greenlit X Men. And X Men was a big hit and i liked the movies i mean was it brian singer that yeah did it? brian singer did the first one uh you know I, I don't think it's it's the perfect x-men movie but it's a good x-men movie and then after that you had spider-man getting greenlit you had you know dc looking at you know dusting off superman with superman returns which failed by the way what's the deal with brian singer <laughs> I, do you want to talk you don't want to talk about it or does it make you uncomfortable? He, no, no. It, it's it's kind of a funny story because years and years ago. Believe me, I'm not. I I, I don't mind being called nerd. Yeah. But that'll be insult for people who dedicate their life knowing that stuff. Mm-hmm. But even I know, he, over the years, I heard a story like he fucking touched kids. Yeah. yeah. And he fucked kids. I mean, for years, I've I've been hearing about this for years, and it's like it was it, it was just like everybody just accepted the fact. But boy, uh, recently it was it was a big news, right? Like you heard yeah. like. 
several accusations of a lot of accusations child rape well i mean i first found out that he was gay which there's you know nothing wrong with being gay mm-hmm. i i found out he was gay from but my if you're cousin. gay and touch kids they're stuffing your problem yeah definitely a problem um, my cousin worked at a restaurant, and I, you know everybody in Hollywood has these like bullshit stories, yeah. and they hear things secondhand and everything like that. But um, my cousin worked at a restaurant where Brian Singer apparently would frequent, and he would always hit on my cousin. Well, my cousin is older than I am, but he looks like he's still in high school. He has gray hair, and he looks like he's still in high school. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing ever. So you know he would tell me that, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, you're full of shit. And then I would hear from other people in the industry that, you know, well, Brian Singer, you know, has a thing for little boys. He goes to Comic-Con and he's not allowed in bars because he has young boys with him. And it's like, you know, yeah, okay, well, you know. That- First of all, I love his movies. I think he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Usual Suspect. Yeah. But um, somebody was telling me at WonderCon, what, two months ago? Mm-hmm. That there was some movie where Brian Singer directed and and forced was, him into a shower scene. There was like a shower scene mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the story, but yeah. he insists there's a shower scene with yeah. boys taking shower has nothing to do with the narrative, you know. And like it kind of reminded me of the scene from uh, uh, me and Rick's favorite mo- uh, one of our favorite movie Happiness, where. The dad's supposed to be raping these kids, and there's a knock on the door, and the cops are there, and he's saying everything's okay. You don't have to come to check out the front door. I'm uh, every, everything's taken care of, and like Jesus. you know, like if there's a knock on the door and the guy's acting like that, you know he's guilty, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I I have to say when I go to Comic Con, I mean any any there's cosplay. There's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, for girls, I'm more protective because they, young women don't know what kind of power they have when they're dressed and revealing up. Yeah. There was a teenage girl who like hovering, like making a transition between being a girl and a woman. And these girls are clueless. And w- w- I was interviewing <laughs> people at the WonderCon. It's always like a pair of hot checks. And when I talk to them and I find out it's the mom and daughter combo. Yeah, and the daughter's like 15, 16. She looks older and mom looks younger. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing them and I'm asking questions like, isn't it terrible where uh, these parents will let these girls dress up in a revealing outfit not being supervised? As I'm taping this interview, my camera guy is basically focusing on the girl's tits <laughs> the whole time interviewing them, you know? But um yeah, I mean, people people don't know what kind of power they have on them. Anyway, going back to Brian Singer, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun to it's it's great to have fun time with these things. But man, there's too many kids they not supervise. Yeah, you know, he, the thing that I heard, you know, I heard that he was into little boys. But you hear what are all we talking? Rumors. When you say little boys, what are we talking here? Like, we're, 10? yeah, about ten, eleven, twelve, like teenage, like. Preteen to teen. Oh my god! And you hear that, but you hear like a lot of Hollywood stories, like Richard Gere shoves gerbils up his ass. Yeah, you know all that shit. And I kind of brushed it off, but you hear that so many times, like from so many different people who you know are credible, that you have to start like kind of thinking to yourself, well, there must be some truth to it. Yeah. You know, and I got a like Michael call. Jackson. I mean, it's been yeah. going on for so long. People just say, yeah, that's Michael. That's yeah. what he does. And and if he doesn't molest kids, he's really fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would make more sense for him to molest kids 
<laughs> to just want to hang out with kids all the time. I mean, but overall, you like you like the X Men movie? That was good. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, but so far this summer, you you would say the second Captain America movie is the one you recommend the most in the comic book movies. Yeah, mostly because it's just more well rounded. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people complain about you know the Spider Man movie, uh, which I, I liked better than Captain America two. Um, a lot of people complained about it because the villains were weak. Or Wait, were you say you, you, you like the Spider-Man even more than... Go- oh, it's that good? Yeah. Oh, to me. Yeah. To me. I, I mean, when, when I go to see a Batman movie, I see a Batman movie to see the villains. Because Batman is a boring character. Yeah. He doesn't have a personality. He's usually quiet. You know, his, char- his villains are the stars of the show. Absolutely. Look at Joker. Yeah. When, you, when I go to see a Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man is the opposite. Spider-Man's the one I want to see. Spider-Man's the one I have interest in. I don't care about his villains. You know, his, his villains are very popular. He has a very popular rogues gallery. But I want to see Spider-Man captured on film right. And the Sam Raimi movies with Tobey Maguire, to me, did not capture Spider-Man. Is that right? right? Yeah. In my opinion, and again, that goes back to there being several iterations. My favorite Spider-Man was the Ultimate Spider-Man because it came out when I was a teenager. So I kind of grew up with... I don't even know what that is. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man, they basically created a new universe where the characters were updated. You know, the characters like debuted in the early 2002, I think like 2002. They debuted in the early 2000s. So I mean that's my Spider-Man, and I going back like I had no desire, I had no love for Spider-Man. Spider-Man was not one of my favorite characters, uh, but going back and because of Ultimate Spider-Man and reading stuff that happened in the general continuity, which is called Marvel Six One Six, I fell in love with the character. Now I understand that in the '60s he was kind of a goofy, like you know, weird kid, but you know. In the 90s, he was suave. He was getting all the girls. Despite him being nerdy, he kind of overcame his social awkwardness. And that's the Spider-Man that I like. And you watch the new one that, you know, with Andrew Garfield. And Andrew Garfield, there's a distinct difference between his Peter Parker and his Spider-Man. When he's Peter Parker in the first movie, he's not making eye contact. He's stuttering. Yeah. He, you know, only has you know, a relationship with his grandparents, or not with his grandparents, with his aunt and uncle, you know. Um, People are always like, well, he's too good looking. I don't buy that he's a nerd. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. Like, if you cannot hold a conversation with somebody, you're weird. Or if you, you know, shat yourself in fucking third grade, yeah, you're going to get bullied for that for the rest of your life. Can I add, it has nothing to do with it, but Mm -hmm. maybe some people might find it inappropriate. This shooting at the Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. it, it was puzzling because here's this biracial kid, and usually biracial kids are a good-looking kid. And I have to say, he was a good-looking kid yeah. with a Hollywood connection, money, driving BMW. But it just showed, like, it doesn't matter if he has all those things. Exactly. Because there was something going on with Ben Asperger he's, or something in him. He yeah. didn't see it. As far as uh, he was concerned, you, he, you might as well show him in the front of Funny Mirror because mm-hmm. that's not what he saw. Yeah. But I, I just thought so strange that he was angry that hot blonde girls wouldn't date him and he ended up killing three Asian guys. I don't know if you ever went to <laughs> colleges, but Asian guys are not the most aggressively chasing girls. And did, you know, and I put myself in that same category too. So I thought for him to pick Asian guys taking hot blonde chick away from him it's like you getting angry at 
rich people mm-hmm. instead of killing Jews, you're killing black people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's just like it, it was, was just a so strange. Backwards. Like, drive down three hours down to Tijuana and fuck hookers, you know? And but you're right. Just because somebody good looking, they have money and stuff, that doesn't mean that's how they feel about themselves. To you know? piggyback on on the Santa Barbara thing, I, I have to say this because I know you would appreciate it, and I hope you don't get hate mail because this didn't come from me. It's mm-hmm. something I saw online. I love hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was talking about, you know, because there's a lot of people saying that, you know, uh, only white men are going out and massacring people. Um, only, you know, and this guy wasn't even white. But uh, it's not women that are doing it. it. It's, you know, men are the ones that have these aggressive tendencies. Men sure. are the ones, you know, it, a lot of women are saying this. And I was reading on a forum, like, all these comments and stuff like that. And I, I think... I'm tired of people getting grouped in. I, I want to be judged as an individual. Sure. I think other people should be judged as an individual. You know, like I don't care if this guy was black, white, green, yellow, whatever. Yeah. Like I, I don't care. He murdered people, and that is fucking wrong. And and, and for the media to emphasize, this is like a, a, a big big news was that it was a crime against women. But like. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's terrible. He killed two women, but he killed four men. Yeah. And like women, they can't do math. Yeah, they don't. The emphasis should be more about <laughs> four guys getting killed. Yeah. You know, but... but um, so I'm reading the, this forum, and it's this woman just writing, who wrote an article basically saying, like, you know, women would never do this. Women are above this. Men are petty and blah, blah, blah. And this guy writes, the only reason why women don't go on massacres mm-hmm. and don't kill people and... And whatnot is because guns are really heavy. <laughs> I, th- I, 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 I just think women are more, they, they rather psychologically torture, you know? But yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, most violence are committed by men, of course. I mean, mm. there's, duh. I mean, it's been true from the beginning of time. So. Yeah, but not every man and not every woman is, you know, mm-hmm. it. Women kill people too. Sure, but men do it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we when we commit suicide, we we're more competent at it. Yeah, and uh, I mean you know, it's tragedy. I, mean, I hate to see it too. Uh, young women getting killed, but um, I just thought it was strange. This motherfucker went in when these three Asian guys were sleeping. He stabbed him to death. You know, yeah. at the time when I heard, like, how did he manage? He wasn't a big guy, and like, how did he manage to like kill three guys? I didn't know. He just walked in when they're sleeping. And yeah, it was his roommates, I believe. Yeah. And one of them, he was mad because he one of the Chinese guys stole candles from him, hidden in his bedroom. So the guy called that the psychopath called the cops to mm-hmm. have a citizen arrest. And so ever since then, he had a grudge against one of the Asian guys. So he decided to kill three of them. One of the guys who happened to be just visiting them, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's sad, but you know, jumping back into Spider Man, yeah. uh, I. I you know the the new movies really captured Peter Parker and being a nervous, twitchy guy. Um, so what if he's good looking? So what if he skateboards? That doesn't automatically mean you're not a nerd. I I, I bought him as a nerd. I yeah. bought Andrew Garfield as a nerd. Good looking nerd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when he turned in Spider Man, his personality shifted. He was confident. He was you know uh, cocky. He was you know. The Spider-Man that I see in the comic books, you look at the Sam Raimi movies with Tobey Maguire and there is no difference between, you know, his Peter Parker and his Spider-Man. Spider-Man quips. He makes jokes. He does it because he's nervous. Like, he has to do it because he's fighting to the death with people. And he needs something to kind of, you know, just 
keep him from getting nervous and keeping him from being afraid. And I loved how they captured that in the new movies. Now with the Tobey Maguire movies, the biggest quip, the greatest quip that he had in the first Spider-Man movie was literally, it's you who's out of your mind, or it's you who's out, Gobby, out of your mind. It's like, oh, that, what was that from? I don't that, that's that. from the first Spider-Man movie. It's been a while since yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's fucking awful. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, my standards. It doesn't hold I, up. I, 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 uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad uh, this new series is up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Emma Stone. I met her a couple of times. She could be uh, what a delightful. Oh, she's young gorgeous. Woman. She's she's yeah. great. Oh, American Beauty and talented mm-hmm. person. So, and she's great in it because yeah. her and Andrew Garfield are dating in real life. Yeah, and the chemistry between them is so great. It, it's 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 a good movie. I liked it. People complain about the villains, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, I, I go to see a Spider-Man movie to see Spider-Man. It's not like Batman where I go to see the villains. I don't care about the villains. I care about Spider-Man. Uh, before we jump to the place that you work, um, you know, if you have to recommend people like, th- you know, three, if if they're not into a co- movie based on comic book, but if they're going to watch three of them, which three would you recommend people to watch? Three comic book movies, I think... Um, the first one would just be The Avengers mm-hmm. because it's my favorite movie of all time just because I, I've waited... I, I really had enjoy, I yeah, enjoyed it. I waited years to see these characters on screen and the way that Joss Whedon did it was just perfect in my opinion. They all had egos. Mm-hmm. They all had you know their little spats between sure. each other and it, it was just a fun movie. It was fun. It was action-packed. You, know, you had comic book moments. It didn't shy away from being a comic book movie, which I think... Sure. That's my biggest criticism towards the Christopher Nolan movies. Then on the other hand, I would definitely recommend uh, Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, because that's who, in my opinion, Superman should be. Um, Wait, uh, when was that released? 80-something? Uh, 80s, maybe 70s. Oh. I, I know they shot the first two Superman movies back-to-back, and during the, the shooting of the second one, they fired Richard Donner and hired, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, Luster something. Mm-hmm. I don't, anyways, he, uh, but yeah, the, the second Superman movie uh, I would definitely recommend as well. And um, X-Men 2. X-Men 2 was incredible. Is that also Brian Singer? Yeah, that was also Brian Singer. That was the last movie they directed before this new one. He might molest kids, but he sure know how to direct those damn movies. I guess, yeah. you know. Maybe you know. he like draws his power like <laughs> from molesting. That's horrible. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so we, we got to go. We got to get ready to go down um, Irvine. So um, I guess the last thing is ID, I, IDW. You work for them, and uh, yeah, I was an intern at IDW Publishing from um, uh, February 2013 to May 2013, and currently I still help out um, when they do uh, interviews with their creators and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I draft up the questions and send them off. Um, I, I love the guys at IDW and the gals at IDW too. Um, I met Chris Ryle, the editor in chief uh, of IDW, at a um, at a school function because he's a uh, he's an alma mater at Cal State Fullerton, just like I am. Sure. And he was speaking at this uh, creative writing club event that I went to. I walked up to him and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. He also worked for Kevin Smith, too. He ran the uh, moviepoopshoot.com website, which was... Oh, is that right? In, yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But they made it into a legitimate website and that was Chris Ryle's job to run that website. 
and I, you know, introduced myself, told him, you know, we both worked for Kevin Smith, and I asked him, I said, it's my dream to be a comic book writer. How do I get into the industry? And he said, well, you know, we do an internship program, go into editorial. So I applied for it. Unfortunately, I didn't get editorial, but I went in and interviewed anyways. And I got a phone call from Lorelai um, Bungus, the, uh, the digital media um, vice president at IDW. And she said, well, basically, we don't have any room on the editorial staff for an intern, but we, do, we could use a digital media intern. I'm like, I don't know anything about digital media. I don't know anything about graphic design. Sure. I want to write for the characters, not draw them. I can't, I can't draw a straight line. And uh, she said, well, you know, just come in and we'll find you stuff to do anyways. We'll have you, you know, create web content where you're talking to the, you know, we'll have you write. So I, I went along with it and I came in and I thanked Lorelai. Um, you know, it's just like, hey, thanks for giving me the job. And she's like, well, to be honest, I don't have much use for you. Um, you know, Lorelai's a sweetheart, but sometimes she could be super blunt. Mm-hmm. But um, she said, you know, Chris Ryle was the one that said, make sure that this kid has something to do. So I got basically like the seal of approval from Chris Ryle. And Chris Ryle is my hero. Like I, I, you know, I loved his stuff when he was editing the Angel books from, you know, Buffy and Angel. Sure. So I looked up to him and just the fact that he had confidence in me, he wanted me at IDW, meant the world to me. Because I remember, you know, a couple of months when we went to Anaheim, California for WonderCon mm-hmm. and you want to go one of the panel. And I have to admit, those panels are really helpful. Like they really want to help yeah, you because yeah. they remember how much they struggle. And mm-hmm. a lot of the guys and women who sit in the audience, they're eager to get into the business. But you're right. Yeah. Even if it's the first, second, third job, it's not something that you want to do. You just need to get yourself in there mm-hmm. and uh, you know follow your dream. And uh, I, I have to say, they're very, very helpful. And uh, there's a bit like it's almost like a big high school family reunion kind of thing going there you know and yeah i mean that wasn't an idw panel that was no no uh, i know i yeah. know i'm just saying people mm-hmm. in that business in general yeah you think they don't want to help you but like they're very kind about helping people yeah i mean the panel we went to was basically uh creating your own comics uh no uh doing full-time comics on a part-time uh schedule mm-hmm. and it basically teaches you how to um put out your own comics which um you know i I know we don't have a lot of time but i I would love to put this out there um my last day at the idw internship chris ryle and uh the senior editor john barber and lorelei took us out to lunch took the interns out to lunch and they wanted us to ask questions sure and i came out with a list of questions and the question i asked chris was like okay, now that I've been through the internship program, how do I become a comic book writer? Mm-hmm. You know, I did what you said. Yeah. How, do, how do I become a comic book writer? And he, said, he, he gave me the best advice ever, and it's the simplest advice, but he said, basically, create a comic. Mm-hmm. And right after that, me and uh, my buddy Scott Joseph, we created our own comic book company called I saw it. Panda Fuzz Inc. And we, we were doing Ashcans, which basically an Ashcan is like six pages worth of story, shows the character designs, and you hand those out to editors because editors don't want to read 22 pages sure. of a comic book. They want to see what it's about, they want to see the characters, and they want to make a decision quick. Um, and we've been doing that since uh, Comic-Con of last year, and um, you know we just finished our first full issue of a comic book that he wrote called Patch Hawkins. Um, I edited the book and I helped write, kind of clean up some of the dialogue because he's not a writer. Uh, sure. You know, I love Scott, but he's not a writer. He's 
a visual storyteller. So he did need my help a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we have two other books that we're working on. But, you know, going back to what you're saying, the comic book community is so supportive to each other. You know, I, I would love, you know, me and you, like, I consider you my friend. You know, you are my, like my friend, friend, Yoshi. Mm-hmm. I love you, and I, I'd do anything for you. And, and, you know, if people respond well to this episode, I would love to come back and talk more in depth because, you know, I, I know... Yeah, I love that I- because, you know, I mean, I, I love doing this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because I like talking to people, like, into whatever they're into. Yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily have to be in it. Mm-hmm. Comic book I like. It just, I'm not as knowledgeable. Like, I get a little uncomfortable because you guys know so much, like... And, and you know what? You know, Some people are really, really assholes about that. Some people are like, well, you don't know, you know, when Daredevil's first uh, yeah. appearance was. It's like, who the fuck cares, man? If you enjoy it mm-hmm. and you want to know more, like, educate each other, but don't do it in a fucking snarky way. Yeah. It, for the most part, the comic book community is really, really supportive of each I other. I say 95% very yeah, supportive. You can go into a comic book shop and, you know, if you find the right person, you can talk for hours. You can actually forget that you're in a comic book shop and you you actually start thinking like you're and having a conversation. that's why you and I went a different path in career mm-hmm. because you went to comic book store and talking to other customers yeah. and, and the people who worked there. I went to porn shop, yeah. talked to the customers in porn shop and the guy who, who works there. You but know? let's be honest, like our, our kind of... But they're uh, both fantasies. Fan, yeah, our, our fan bases probably cross-pollinate a lot. Like the same people that go into comic book shops <laughs> probably go into your I'm porn I'm very shops. confident about that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, thanks for uh, for having me, Yoshi. And I'd love to come back and talk more about yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, IDW, the place that you work. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it stands for Idea Design Work. It, there, are, you know, I mean, eighty percent of comic book business is uh, basically DC Comics and Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. But IDW is a player too, and they have twenty four. Uh, Jack Bauer, of course. Yeah. Godzilla, Transformers, Star Trek, uh, Ghostbusters, all the Cartoon but, Network stuff. Um, but the 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 the, uh, the the pony one. What was that one? My Little Pony is uh, one creepy. of their best sellers. Yeah. What what did they call those? Like uh, guys who are into bronies. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand them either. But as long as they're feeding, you know, money, whatever. These are like grown men into that pony. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I I, I got to tell the story real quick. I was working at uh, Comic Con, and we had My Little Pony. No, it was WonderCon. It was. Uh, WonderCon two years ago, mm-hmm. and I was working the booth, and we had these My Little Pony stickers. I turned to talk to one of the other workers at IDW, yeah. turned around, and a grown man ran, had, had all of the My Little Pony stickers, exclusive stickers and flyers, in his hand, ran from the booth. And it was just like, are you serious? Like, why do you need that many like My Little Pony stickers? And you're like, in your th- 30s dude like it was insane uh, wait, wait, let me let me ask, okay rick do, do you know anything about this uh, thing and like if you do like do you know why some guys are into it I, I i didn't see the brony movie and i don't know really much about it but i've you know yeah uh, there is a brony documentary yeah there's a documentary that came out that uh supposedly pretty entertaining mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know much about it it's just I, I I just got creeped out. Like I don't know why. I just as soon as I heard it, got it's got to be something to do with being homosexual. That's what I thought. I I, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those like people. No, re- I, I don't have anything to yeah. gay people, but like I don't understand why grown men would like this. Those pointed what? Well, I I think it has you know, like people are really into like the weird like 
kind of uh, Cartoon Network shows like Adventure Time. Yeah. And whatnot. It's kind of like quirky humor. I guess it appeals to certain people. I mean, um, I like Mystery Science 3000 and crap like that, but oh, the yeah. pony one. Well, hold on. I think Rick has something to say. I was going to come up with some half baked theory. Uh, you know, the guys are into infantilism. You know, the guys who like to let loose by getting in a diaper and, and pretending they're a baby or whatever. It might be something like that. You know, like you're totally being into my little pony is just like abdicating any uh you know of your social role as a man you know you're, yeah. you're completely freeing yourself from the idea of having to prove you're not a faggot all the time well then again i mean it might be a good show i don't watch it I, i've never checked it out no so but it I, th I think be. rick gave me the most succinct uh, reasonable explanation um, I'm releasing this June 2nd. And by the way, for those of you who listen to the podcast, I appreciate you doing that. Rick is planning to go to, uh, he, he is going to Japan middle of June. So we're going to re hopefully release two more episodes before he leaves. So if you are in Japan, could help Rick in any way when he's living in Japan for one month, uh, networking, possible job in, uh, in Japan or living there, you know, contact Rick Hall at Tolstover, uh, at, uh, uh, at the Twitter account, which is Twitter uh, at Toastover, T-O-E-S-T-U-B-B-E-R, and uh, contact Rick. And if, if that's too much a hassle, if you want to send me an email while Rick is in uh, Japan, June 16, 2014 through, uh, what, July 17th, 18th in Japan, uh, email me at dumbyoshi at gmail.com. So help Rick. Um, you know, I'm very happy that he's going to Japan. And uh, um, Anthony, thanks for doing it. Can I oh, throw out some plugs real quick? Yeah, yeah, please. All right. Uh, our comic books can be found at uh, www.pandafuzzinc.com. That's I-N-K. Um, Scott has a background in uh, tattoo art, so that's kind of like our homage to his, his, mm -hmm. um, his background. Uh, I write comic book reviews for a website i just started this it's called uh, fanboynation.com i'm going to check it out yeah um and i work for a sideshow network i'm a producer there um follow me on twitter at pandafuzzinc.com that's i-n-k and uh you know thanks a lot yoshi for having me on and you're going to san diego comic con july i, I will be there yeah, yeah so we'll we'll hang out um if you have a question for anthony he you know i mean i, I cannot help you because um I don't have extra passes or anything, but if you have a question, a comic book, Anthony is a great person to know. And if he, he for rare reason, can't answer it, he'll know somebody who could. Absolutely. I'm, I'm friends with people at IDW. I'm yeah. friends with people at DC. I'm friends with, you know, people that, uh, you know, shout out to the guys from Comics on Comics, Vito Lapicola mm -hmm. and Juan Manuel Rocha. Um, great guys, great, com uh, great podcast. Check it out. It's on the Sideshow Network. Um, yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll figure out your answer. I'll, I'll I'll find out what you need to know. And, and, and by like the way, Batman. If if you happen to live overseas, not in the states, but you want to live here, and if you have a little bit of time to visit USA, uh, you know, spending a couple of days in your Comic Con might be a terrific opportunity because there's a lot of show business people. You'll never know who you might meet. Mm -hmm. It might change your life open doors for you with career and, and opportunity to live in the States. So it's one of, if not the biggest comic book, anime, movie convention of its size. And it's, it's definitely the most important one in North America. Yeah. And I, I've uh, been going since 2007 and I, I can't imagine my life without it. Like I can't remember there being a time where I wasn't going to Comic-Con. It's yeah. just, I, I feel at home. Like, yeah, it's packed. Yeah, it's sweaty. It's, 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive, but you know what? It, it's, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. If you're into the geek culture, mm-hmm. go. Have a good time, and uh, you know, we'll see you there. Yeah, come to San Diego Comic Con. I will be there. I will be doing a show with Red Band in San Diego. I'm also doing panel with Chris Gore. So far, we have Judah Freelander, and I think we have uh, uh, Adrian Curry, I think, as of now. So it'll be panel at San Diego Comic Con. And, uh, yeah, check out my panel, stand-up comedy. And uh, uh, please help uh, Rick Hall in Japan. And the uh, final thing is, by the time you hear, you're hearing this, we just saw the second to last episode of Game of Thrones, <laughs> the mountain, the mountain versus the viper, and uh, man, I, I, I cannot wait, I, I cannot wait to see that. I um, read the books. You want me to spoil? No! How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Um, thanks for listening to the show. Please uh, um, download my app, Yoshiden app, in iTunes, and uh, I will talk to you guys soon. <laughs>